freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. to sit down today with Chelsea Lyons. Now, Chelsea is a military wife and an Oklahoma native. She went to the University of Oklahoma where she double majored, okay? Not one major, two. <laughs> double majored in leadership and sociocultural anthropology. And this is where she fell in love with ethnographic research. We're gonna dig into that. What is that about? Uh, and she's currently writing an ethnographic piece on gun culture in the United States and how it relates to identity politics, the sovereign individual, and the media narrative. What an interesting set of topics that you are wrestling with, and especially because I don't know that you necessarily even come from this whole gun world or gun culture. I did not at all. But welcome to Gun Freedom Radio. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So how did we meet each other? So you and I met through Ashley Lubinsky, who is just, I mean, powerhouse. And I contacted her when I was first kind of gathering the idea to do this ethnography. And my husband told me, um, he was like, you know, you've never been to the Cody Firearms Museum, you should go, you could do some research while you're there, and you should even just like send an email to the curator, see if maybe she could have some good resources for you. Well, I had no idea what I was getting myself into uh, because, I mean, the resources that Ashley supplied me with, she's given me so much information, she's introduced me to so many incredible people, not just amazing people in terms of uh, the gun industry, but just really wonderful, just excellent people, wonderful human beings. Well, and you know, like attracts like. And so, um, and Ashley Lubinsky, as you said, the curator of the Cody uh, Firearms Museum and the first female curator mm -hmm. of such a museum. And she comes from an interesting background as well that uh, I think she originally was studying medicine. And then yeah. she ended up realizing that uh, medicine changes as the uh, field artillery mm -hmm. during wartime changes. Mm -hmm. And then that got her into this fascination with the tools, you know, right. the mechanics of the tools and the history of the tools. And so, um, so interesting because I love history and I love to, to go back to find the origins of things. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, also something that, you know, when we're using these words, anthropology, you know, that evokes, okay, we're digging in the dirt, right, in the ruins of Egypt or something, <laughs> you know, which I know it goes right. beyond that, but, and, and sociology, mm -hmm. right, how does, does society change over time, that sort mm -hmm. of thing, and then you use this word ethnographic, mm -hmm. so uh, talk to us about what is that precisely? 
Right, so in anthropology, there are four subfields of study, technically five if you include medical anthropology. Uh, and it's funny because a lot of people, one of the first things they ask me when I say anthropology, they think I study either rocks or dinosaurs. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, well, neither of those. Well, geology is the rocks <laughs> part, right? So, <laughs> right, right. Um, so you have linguistics, archaeology, uh, biological anthropology, medical, and then uh, sociocultural, which is what I study. So sociocultural anthropology is the study of modern people groups. And an ethnographic study is where you, uh, you basically get into a certain community, you build relationships, mm -hmm. and you just observe the behavior. You look for what's going on, what is their way of life. Um, it's hard to explain when you actually say it out loud because yes. it, you know it's like, well, uh, I find a group of people, I infiltrate their culture, and I watch them for a while. Like, it sounds weird when you not when you talk about it out loud. Not yeah. creepy. No. <laughs> but we do that, um, and it's all about relationship building. Yes. It's not about exploitation. Yes. It's not about you know these aha gotcha moments yes. like we talked about earlier. It's yes. about building relationships and looking for certain truths or different perspectives mm -hmm. that adds to our understanding of the human experience. Absolutely. So kind of like identifying what is, mm -hmm. and then maybe trying to go back and go, well, what, maybe why is that right. what is? Right, and how does it affect the world around us? Mm -hmm. So interesting. And so this is a, a labor that you are engaging in. I mean, you're in school. Yes. Double major, as we mentioned, yes. overachiever, a little bit, <laughs> just a little, a little bit. Um, but what is there? Something else that, that drives this? Um, like, what was? Why is that the thing you're studying? Is there something in your background that you were like, this is, or is it something new that you're listening to the news and you're like, right. something about this doesn't feel right. Let me go in and look for myself. So, where did all this come from? So to begin with, what I love about anthropology is that you never find what you started with. Mm. Um, and if, you, if your end result is exactly what you thought you were going to find from you know, the onset, you probably didn't work very hard. <laughs> and so I love the element of surprise. Mm. I love uh, throwing myself into you know, a situation that is totally outside of my box and totally outside of my norm and waiting for those moments where I'm surprised. Yeah. And I really did not know anything about guns or gun culture growing up. Um, growing up in Oklahoma, I knew a lot of people who had guns. I knew a few people who hunted. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and then in college, I was kind of very politically active, but kind of indifferent towards guns. I didn't necessarily believe that guns were evil, mm -hmm. but I wasn't married to them either. Mm -hmm. And, but I was always interested in, in our political moment mm -hmm. and these different things that are going on, especially over the last few years and kind of the rise of identity politics. And then I got married and my husband is an airborne army ranger, has been a part of, you know, has been a gun enthusiast his entire life, mm -hmm. was like jumping off of the roof from his house, you know, onto a trampoline when he was 10 to practice being airborne. <laughs> and, um, one one year right after christmas he told me uh, he was like you know you should come to a gun uh, a gun show with me and i just kind of like eye rolled at him mm -hmm. because i was like yeah this is you know like i want to spend my christmas doing that 
And he's like, no, I'm serious. I, I think from an anthropological perspective, mm -hmm. you would be really interested in it mm -hmm. because it's not what you're expecting. Mm -hmm. And it's so diverse. Mm -hmm. I think you'd really find it interesting. So I went, he piqued my curiosity and I went to the gun show and you know, sure enough, I'm walking around and I'm thinking to myself, this is really interesting. Yeah. And I stopped and talked to a few people and one person told me, you will never find a more diverse group of individuals under truth. one roof. It's the truth. And from that point forward, and you know, we've heard so many things over the years as guns have played a big part in politics. And I thought, there's something here. And I don't know what I'm gonna find yet, but this is worth exploring. And I just love that whole uh, sentence you just said, I don't know what I'm going to find. Mm -hmm. You don't come into this with a preconceived notion. Right. And you approach it with such a level of natural curiosity mm -hmm. that um, I am going to be super excited and fascinated to uh, read your final product mm -hmm. um, to see, you know, because I'm sort of the same way. I was raised with guns, but there, there wasn't like this gun enthusiast, right? right? There wasn't an enthusiasm mm -hmm. about it. Um, they were tools, just like we had a lawnmower in the garage, right, and we had right. you know, kitchen knives mm -hmm. in the drawer, and you know, it was just a specific tool to do a specific thing. And so then as I talked to different people who, their purpose for the gun, like they're a hunter, you know, this right. is food on my table. Right. This is a, a legacy that I pass on to my mm -hmm. younger, you know, my children that this is how our founding fathers, our forefathers, um, you know, survived, right. you know, and then women who have come to a place in their life that they realize, yeah, I am built in a different way. I'm smaller, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe I, I have to walk in a dark garage or whatever. Right. So they have a different reason for approaching, you know, the gun culture. So really what is gun culture? You know, I mean, right. have you been able to encapsulate at all? I have not. And that was, you know, it's important to know when when you are doing any kind of research, you're not 100% objective, right? Like we all have our, our biases and our different ideas. And um, so I, I did have, you know, some kind of idea. Sure. But in, that was one of them was I thought that there was a gun culture in the United States. I thought, you know, kind of the stereotypical gun culture. Um, a lot of the academic literature surrounding guns and gun culture in the United States has this idea that it's all about toxic masculinity. Mm. And I wasn't expecting to find that exactly because I'm not really a, a fan of the whole toxic masculinity narrative. Mm -hmm. But I did expect it to be much more male-dominated. I thought that gun culture was a um, had more to do with masculinity and kind of a, a rite of passage between father and son. And so that's what I went in expecting to find. Sure. Um, and the more that I dug deep into it, and the more research I did, and the more people who I actually spent time with. I realized there is no gun culture here. And that was when I was doing some of my research, a part of it was at a shooting range in Oklahoma City. And when I went there for the first time and told the gentleman who works there, oh, I'm studying gun culture, he just looked at me and said, what is that? <laughs> and, 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 uh, what I'm trying to find right. out. <laughs> right. 
Um, if you know, please tell exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> but there is no set gun culture. You have gun enthusiasts uh, and gun groups that are uh, white male conservatives. Mm -hmm. You have groups that are feminists. Mm -hmm. uh, Black guns matter. Mm -hmm. You have LGBTQ gun groups. Mm -hmm. um, there is no set culture and it really is an extremely diverse group of individuals. Mm -hmm. And if they have anything in common, um, I would say it is the shared value of the sovereign individual and self-sufficiency. Mm. And I think that those two things, shared values and the idea of, of the sovereign individual, I believe transcends identity politics mm -hmm. and political narratives. That is so fascinating. And I love uh, kind of the reemergence of that word sovereign, mm -hmm. right? We've been um, talked at, talked into right. uh, for such a long time about, you know, well, we are the world. Well, that sounds mm -hmm. amazing, mm -hmm. but at some point, you know, there are we a sovereign nation? Right. Or are we a sovereign individual? Are we just part of this Borg, you know, right. the collective? <laughs> like, so I I think that hits the closest to home for mm -hmm. what, what I have experienced is you know, that individuality, that individualistic idea, but not like because they're, they're in any way disparaging an other. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, there's nothing wrong with me loving one thing. It doesn't mean I hate the other. Right, exactly. The other thing. And so the sovereignty piece of that, mm -hmm. you're saying that has run kind of, if you could find a common thread, that's right. the one. Yes, absolutely. And so then, you know, if I'm a sovereign individual, how does that cause me to look to this particular tool? Mm -hmm. Have you been able to find a link of that sort? I think that it's different for everybody mm -hmm. um, because there are people who it's, you know, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jim Zumbo a couple of weeks ago. And for him, it's all about conservationism mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, supporting his family with, you know, meat that he killed and mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a way of life and it's self-sufficiency. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have talked to other people, um, Sarah Cade, who's an amazing person. I got mm -hmm. to interview her a couple of weeks ago. I love Sarah. <laughs> she's fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, she's a liberal feminist yeah. and, and a minority. Mm -hmm. And for her, you know, she talked about her background with guns and how her first experience was just kind of like a, a bonding time with her mom at a, at a gun range. And, uh, you know, for her, it's, it's more about empowerment and it's more about, uh, you know, feeling self-sufficient as a woman. Yeah. And I, I think it's different for everybody. I don't think there's like a one-size-fits-all for how people relate or identify with a firearm. But I think that the idea that it is about the individual's sovereignty and self-sufficiency, I think that is the common thread. Um, and there's a diverse way, uh, a diversity of ways that you can relate to it as an object. Absolutely. So another piece of this that you're studying and you're digging into and you're trying to find some commonalities or answers or whatever is the power of the narratives the stories that we hear told mm -hmm. through the media. Well, yes. in a sense, I am media as well. Right. And so when you even say that, like, 
to define the media, to define narrative, right? So those are even kind of challenges yes. as you're writing your paper and, and trying to help um, you know, others understand where you are coming from. Mm -hmm. But how important, how powerful word use is. And when you look at that sociocultural, mm -hmm. you know, how words come, they get invented, right? Right. Or commonly used words get applied to something mm -hmm. in a new way that we hadn't heard of before. Right. And uh, we were chatting off air right before the interview that there's a new phrase that, that I and others are seeing pop up now, uh, gun extremist. Right. Like what? Which sounds very threatening. Right. Right. Like, how, do, is an extremist, is a gun extremist somebody that has like a ton of guns? Like they right. own a ton? Like what do you mean by mm -hmm. extreme? Right. That is a very subjective term. Mm -hmm. And so um, when you are finding things like that, like language use and the changing of, of how we express ourselves and, and paint others, mm -hmm. um, what, what has that journey been like for, for you in your study? Well, I think a, a problem with the mainstream media in particular, and this isn't, I would say that this is true of all kinds of uh, authoritative roles, not just the mainstream media, you, you find it in academia as well, um, and in politics, it's, well, that person has this credential, therefore they must be completely objective. And so what they're saying must be completely true and free of any bias and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, an intentional narrative to paint a particular picture. And I think for like your average person who maybe doesn't know a lot about actual gun groups in the United States, like they haven't gone to gun shows, they haven't actually, maybe don't even know anybody who regularly goes and shoots firearms or mm -hmm. is, is, you know, pro second amendment. Um, they rely on the experts mm. in the media or in academia to tell them what is true. And mm. I'll give you an example of this. Um, earlier this week, I got a text message uh, from a person in my hometown who said, uh, Chelsea, I know that you're studying gun culture, so I just wanted to know, are you really concerned about these white nationalists in Virginia that are, you know, like storming the Capitol? And, you know, and, and I quickly, like, I had to tell them, okay, first of all, white nationalists are not a part of gun culture in the United States. It's not a respected demographic. And I hadn't heard a lot of what was going on in Virginia, so I did some of my own research. And that, that person actually sent me an article that they themselves had read. And the way that the article was worded, it just lumps together pro-Second Amendment advocates who wanted to uh, demonstrate peacefully and white nationalists who were looking for an excuse for, for uh, race-fueled violence mm -hmm. and as if they were a cohesive unit. Mm -hmm. And to your average person who doesn't know any better, they don't actually know anybody in gun culture or in a gun group, they think, well, the two must be synonymous. Mm. Gun enthusiasts must be, you know, crazy white nationalists. Mm -hmm. And so you have to really evaluate information. I mean, that's one of the first things they teach you in college, right, is critical thinking. Do, please tell me they're still teaching it. Please. <laughs> 
tell me they're still teaching they're critical still, thinking they're skills. They're still teaching it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know uh, how Is it being them. learned? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And it's, and you know, I mean, to be fair, it's hard, right? It's mm -hmm. hard when you are being taught to think critically, but then you're bombarded yes. all the time with narratives yes. that sound very authoritative yes. and very intelligent. And if you're not going out and doing the legwork yourself mm -hmm. and, you know, reading the Senate bills yourself mm -hmm. and going and talking to real people mm -hmm. in real life yeah. and getting a different perspective, it's really easy to just believe that white nationalists and gun enthusiasts are linked. Yes. Well, even the, the term white nationalist, mm -hmm. I had never heard that in my life mm -hmm. until maybe eight or ten years ago. Right. Maybe, maybe not even that long ago, but now it is part of our common everyday mm -hmm. lexicon and we right. think we know what that means. Right. I'm not even sure that we think, like, that we do know what it means right. and, and who, like, who is that? And, and what is their true purpose and who are those individual people? And so then to just, you know, we have this, this vague, murky idea of mm -hmm. who they are and then to automatically say, well, they must also then be. Right people that value their Second Amendment and constitutional right. rights. It's right. like, who made that equal sign? Like, who, who put that there? And because life moves so fast, and like you said, we're bombarded mm -hmm. with so much information, it is hard to sit there and drill down in that way and go, wait, who, who told me this? Why might they be telling it to me? And what do I truly believe and right. why do I believe it? Right. Those are the elements of critical thinking that are hard to do when you're, you know, you got the carpool and you got exactly, you know, the PTA mm -hmm. meeting and you got, you know, got to work late and all that right. kind of stuff. And so we do tend to turn on the TV and allow others to interpret our world exactly. for mm -hmm. us. Right. And then are we, are we thinking about, you know, do they ever, do they ever deviate from that? Do they ever check themselves or, you know, is, is there ever just, here's the facts, ma'am, and, and right. that is so, so rare. Right. And that's what I think is going to be exciting and refreshing about uh, an essay or a report that, like, you're writing, is you're basically saying, here's what I saw, here's what mm -hmm. I experienced, and um, this is what I think. Right. But you've given us sort of the, the bricks that you stepped on to help mm -hmm. us kind of see, oh, I do agree with what she's saying, or, well, I agree up to here. Right. But then I might have taken this other path with my therefore. Right. And I think that is so lacking uh, that we have those opportunities, and I, that's why I value so much that I got to meet you and, and know that that is still going on out yes. there in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, uh, we are sitting here today in January of the year 2020, of course, the, the Virginia event we were talking about was, um, you know, thousands upon mm -hmm. thousands of people from every socioeconomic, uh, ethnographic, uh, uh, you know, part of the, the nation came together. I think there was 22,000 people yes. who mm -hmm. came to the Capitol uh, in Virginia, the Capitol uh, building and the, the grounds. And they were basically saying, I'll say what I think they were basically saying, and then if you disagree with me, please do. They were basically saying, look, see me. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. I am a real person. I am a normal, everyday American mm -hmm. person, and I value my rights. Yes. 
and my rights are actually a restriction on you, the government, not on me. Exactly. And so, you know, a lot of them like to open carry or conceal carry as an expression of those rights. Mm -hmm. And there were these multi-thousands of people and firearms that came to the Capitol and there were no injuries. Right. Like not even a sprained ankle. Right. Right? Like, uh, and so, uh, I believe that's what they were doing. I think that's an interesting thing that would happen during the writing of, you know, your report. And again, with that culture, if you look up here, you might see a stereotype. But then when you get down on the street level and you mm -hmm. look at the individual faces of the people right. that were there, that is what you're doing. Yes. Yes. I think you're exactly right about what it was that they were trying to say. You know, Jordan Peterson, whose work I admire a lot, he once in an interview, uh, or in one of his lectures rather, said that the thing about rights, constitutional rights, in Canada or in the United States is they're not given to us by the government. They are our personal rights. And because we are a sovereign individual, we have those rights. The government is what we use to defend those rights. And so they're not granted to us by the government. That's an important distinction. Mm -hmm. And I think what the protesters in Virginia were attempting to do and what they managed to do uh, very successfully and very peacefully was remind the government that they work for us. Mm -hmm. These aren't their rights mm -hmm. that they can choose to give to us or not. Right. These are our rights. Yes. And if you're not going to defend them, then there, there will be resistance yeah, to that. Absolutely. And I love that there was peaceful resistance. Yes. But I think that um, it was important also for uh, the, the governor of, of Virginia and the world, whoever might be seeing, because had there been a, a violent... Right. encounter even a yes. you know a fist fight mm -hmm. then I think everyone everywhere would have heard about this oh, event yeah. mm -hmm. but because it was peaceful there's people in my personal circle you know my husband and I own, own a gun store I, I do this gun freedom radio uh, I talk about this sort of thing all the time and they are completely wait what happened in Virginia like they have no exactly. idea right and so that's part of it too is when you know, there really isn't a story to tell. Right. It doesn't it gets get told. dismissed. Yeah. Right. Right. There's, you know, well, how many times do you see in the in the media a story about somebody who used a gun violently versus how many stories do you see in the media where somebody used a gun to uh, to support their family exactly. with their you know with their own meat? Exactly. How many times do you see stories in the media about somebody who defended an innocent life? with a gun um, or you know how many times do you even see anything about because for some people guns are not a uh, particularly political thing they appreciate them from a from a historical perspective for some people different weapons are a work of art and they appreciate it from that aesthetic perspective and you don't see that being portrayed the only thing you see being portrayed is when somebody uses it for violence right and, uh, you know, this, I, I think that if there had been any violence at this protest in Virginia, it would have immediately been an aha gotcha moment. Yes. See, we told you these yes. people are violent. Yes. 
we told you that these citizens shouldn't have guns. And so I think that the fact that that didn't happen mm -hmm. is a great reminder of why people actually own guns in the first place. It's not because they're looking for violence. It's not because they shouldn't have a firearm because they're going to use it inappropriately. Right. It's because it is their God-given right to have it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just as we wrap up, I, I think that, you know, as you were saying all that, I, I'm thinking, well, you know, we don't talk about what's normal, right? right. And mm -hmm. so we only talk about really the, what's abnormal. And so we've been talking about what's abnormal for so long, mm -hmm. you know, uh, people harming each other with whatever tool they choose. But right. if they happen to choose a firearm mm -hmm. as the tool, then suddenly, you know, that paints this bigger picture. And then the rest of us, the, the thousands upon thousands of people mm -hmm. that are just, you know, normal and behaving normally and lawfully and responsibly, you know, we, we just, there's no reason really or push to talk about that. Right. And so, um, yeah, that is that is an interesting thought that it's the, the abnormal now seems like the everyday, and right. it's not. Well, because the abnormal is sensational. Yeah. You know, when it's not really that interesting to turn on the TV and see a news report about, you know, two people who, one's a liberal and one's a conservative, and you know maybe they like to shoot guns together and then go have a beer and you know they get along great and that's that that's the end of the story you know that doesn't that doesn't benefit anybody like right <laughs> right right that's that's not sensational that's not exciting or scary mm -hmm. and um, so if you know you you have to think about that about you know the stories that are cherry picked mm -hmm. because they are sensational because they are outside of the norm you know we talked a lot about terminology and you hear this really scary term all the time mass shooting yeah. and you know politicians that say there's been you know over 200 almost 300 mass shootings you know in one year and you know well what does that term mass shooting mean because there is no fixed definition of it most of the definitions that are used were created by uh, very far left anti-gun think tanks mm -hmm. that usually uh, usually the definition is something like you know three or four shots fired at the same time you know or within like 10 minutes of, of each other in the same location by the same person and so a couple who gets into a domestic argument and uses a gun inappropriately mm -hmm. um, you know that's a mass shooting mm -hmm. yeah the fact that there is no set definition right. and yet we are being fed uh, so therefore right you know based on we don't know it's murky it mm -hmm. you know, it's ever-changing it's mercurial mm -hmm. therefore you must vote this way exactly. you must fear gun owners you must, you know these right. gun extremists this is right this is gonna be a word that I dig into myself yeah. Uh, to try to figure out. I mean, I, I can pretty much tell you what they're trying to say. Right. But um, part of uh, being on the side of, of um, trying to have a calm, rational conversation about the tool and the people that mm -hmm. use the tool is we are always put in the position of reacting to. Like, there's mm -hmm. no way for us to have anticipated or for me to have anticipated that I'm gonna have to counter something called gun extremism. Right. So I'm always playing catch up and I'm trying to help 
other people say, no, know me as a person. Exactly. Look at me as an individual, that sovereignty, right? Right. Uh, and, and understand that, you know, because I value my right and mm -hmm. because I enact my right by, you know, owning and using this particular tool, uh, what's extreme about that? Like you like right. challenge people to think about what's extreme about that. Right. And then on the spectrum, so then if I have two guns, then am I extreme? Right. How about if I have five? What if I'm a gun store owner like I mm -hmm. am? Maybe, I, maybe that's extreme. Right. But by whose measuring tape, just like with mass shooting, right. which exactly. measuring tape are we using? Right. So. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish with this ethnography is to write a piece that is not reactive, but is instead highlighting real people. Mm -hmm. you no, know, I mentioned Gina Roberts earlier, mm -hmm. who has just become one of my favorite people to talk to She's awesome. in this ethnography. And you know, this is a pro shooter, a gun expert, you know, hardcore conservative, you know, and she's a trans woman living in California. Yes. You know, this is this <laughs> Try isn't putting her right, in a, as somebody's right. uh, identity politics box. Exactly. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, it because people are nuanced. Yes. And because when you when you want diversity and you want acceptance, it's important to recognize those nuances and to focus instead on shared values rather than differences. Absolutely. And so that's really what I'm trying to accomplish with this ethnographic work is showing those nuances and highlighting real people and what gun ownership, gun enthusiasm, uh, Second Amendment activism, what it actually looks like instead of a media narrative where someone's benefiting from that. Awesomely stated. Thank you so much. Chelsea yeah, Lyons, absolutely. I appreciate your time. When would we anticipate your project being done? Not that it's necessarily going to be publicly published, right. but um, what, what is your estimated time to, to exit this conversation? That is a great question, and I've been asking myself that. Um, the thesis is going to be finished in May, uh, but because of, of, 2020. How, of 2020, yes, coming up here in just a few months, um, because of how big it has gotten mm -hmm. and all the different opportunities that I have had, I am looking to expand the project and to make it public because I think it's something that needs to be heard. Oh, fantastic. Well, at that time, we're going to have to sit down together again Absolutely. and see where the journey has taken you by then. Yeah. And um, I, I'm interested, uh, what, what do you think that you're going to end up doing with your degree and has this changed anything about what you had thought before when you started with your degree program? It did. You know, when I first got into anthropology, I was doing it because I really loved it. And I, I thought, oh, well, I'll, you know, go and get my PhD and I'll become a professor. And then I realized that I really hated being in academia and that I did not want to be a professor <laughs> and that it just was not for me. And uh, so then I kind of decided to get my second degree in leadership and thought, well, you know, anthropology is something I love, but I'll go into, into the business sector. And doing this project has really kind of drawn me back into anthropology. And while I still do not plan to be a professor or an academic per se, um, I do plan on pursuing uh, writing and focusing on uh, different political and social issues and uh, creating content that gives people a better perspective of what's actually happening. Awesome. That's fantastic. We need more 
uh, inquisitive, curious minds yes. like yourself mm -hmm. out there. Thank so you. hopefully you will be inspiring others. Chelsea Lyons, thank you so thank much you so for much. your time. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. All right, stick around. There's always lots more coming up on Gun Freedom Radio. <laughs>